going through this series, Renew, starting fresh and starting right as we kind of sort of kick off the new year. I was sick the first week of the new year, and then we had Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. But we desire to be a church where anybody and everybody can be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. From our very first prayer meeting at Tom and Anita Wilson's house, our prayer was, God, make us a multi-generational church. So many church plants are just older people or just younger people. We wanted a multi-generational church, and God gave us that from that first prayer meeting from children all the way up to, I later learned 80s, I said 70s, but had 80s represented there, and a multicultural church. And at times, we've been multicultural. That's the one we're still working on. Uh, Miss Desiree and her family were here two weeks ago. I reached out to her yesterday and didn't hear from her, but we're in a primarily Hispanic community, and we, if you look around this room, we're the minority. Most people in East Hall don't look like us, so we want to do a better job of, of reaching our community. And we do that based on the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all the nations and to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. So we exist to love God, love people, and see God transform lives. And we're just convinced that God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that we could ask or imagine. We're not asking God to build a mega church. We're not, we have no ambitions to be a mega church. What we are asking God to let us do is to replicate, to plant other churches in northeast Georgia, not just this one, but when we get large enough that God will send people and equip people, we're able to say, hey, it's time to plant another church, maybe in a different part of Hall County. Different churches have different flavors, just like Baskin-Robbins has different flavors of ice cream. Some people will feel comfortable here. Some people feel more comfortable in a traditional church. So we want to be about planting new churches. One of the things that compels us is, of course, the Great Commission and the call of God, but the population of this county is projected to triple in the next 30 years. Have y'all been downtown where all those new apartments are? That's for my allergists. I have to go every week to get allergy shots downtown. And the traffic would probably tempt Billy Graham to say something he ought not to say. The traffic is horrendous, and I can't imagine the population tripling. So people don't want to fight traffic. So if we can plant other churches in other parts of the county to reach people there so they don't have to drive through all that traffic. We believe God wants to do a new thing here. And you know we're in transition. We've hit a bump in the road. But we had 10 people in our new members class last week, not counting me and my wife. So God is sending the people that he wants to use to build a team here. How bad do we want this? How bad do we believe God wants to do something new and different that is bigger than us? I believe God wants to do something that outlives us if the rapture doesn't happen in our lifetime. Now, we're just saying, Lord, haste the day when our faith shall be sight and the clouds be rolled back like a scroll. We're praying for that. We pray that the Lord would come back even today, but we got to plan and work as if it's, gonna, it's not going to happen in our lifetime. I'm of the opinion with Dr. David Jeremiah. puts me in good company. He leads our study on Wednesday nights. He thinks it could happen in our lifetime. I think it could happen in our lifetime. But I also shared with the class, I told my mother as a high school student after I got saved, I'm not going to college because the rapture is going to happen. So mama was right, and I was wrong. She said, you're going to college, and if the rapture happens, even better. But it didn't. So we pray and work as if we're going to be here forever. But if not, praise the Lord, we'll be raptured out of here. The great William James says the great use of a life is to spend it for something that, for something that outlasts our life. You think back to any church in our community. Some of us came from Ireland. That church was planted in 1874. 
think about that. People just like those in this room in 1874 said they're in the airline community. And people say, 1874, there was no airplanes. Why is that church called Airline? It was the first rail line that had airline breaks that passed through, and the little community of airlines sprung up. That's why the church is called that. But 1874, if the Lord doesn't come back 100 years from now, people will be talking about you. They'll be talking about this group of pioneers that planted this church. We're investing in something we pray will outlive us. I spoke at the funeral of my almost 93-year-old pastor's wife this last Thursday in Sandy Springs. And I said, Miss Jessie Brown believed in investing in something that will outlive her self. She's invested in Transformation Church. She's with the Lord now, but even well into her 90s. I said, how many 90-year-olds are on Facebook? Miss Jessie was on Facebook, and the Lord reconnected us through social media and Facebook. And so the sound system that, that Aiken and Hannah used on Wednesday night, she paid for that. She sent a gift, and I said, Miss Jessie, I want you to see what your money bought. And so she, I normally don't tell who gives something. People want to be anonymous, but she's with the Lord now, so I can brag on her and say that, that she did that. You know, when, we, when I first met with Jojo Thomas, he's director of missions of our local Chattahoochee Association. He used this analogy with me. He's the second person I told after my wife that I think God's calling us to plant a new church. Jojo was the second person. Jojo has planted churches before. He's helped other church plants. He said, Mike, you've got to have the pioneer mentality. A lot of people have the settler's mentality. Settlers go in, and they settle where something already is. The pioneers come in, and they've got to cut down the trees. They've got to raise the money. They've got to build the buildings. We are pioneers in this work of asking God to let us plant Transformation Church. So I want to invest in something that can be here if the Lord doesn't come back for Wyatt McCoy Dura, my grandson, for his grandchildren one day to be a lighthouse in this community and others if the Lord allows us to do that. Acts chapter 1 beginning in verse 1. I started saying this and my train derailed. That happens to me sometimes. When we first started, we said, let's study church planting from the best church planting book anywhere, and that's the Bible. We see church planting, the original church plants, in the book of Acts. So we walked through the book of Acts. Today's kind of a, a review of some of that as we renew the vision for our church. Please stand if you're able as we read in the book of Acts, chapter 1 and verse 1. He says, in my first book, I told you Theophilus. Anybody know anybody named Theophilus? I've, I've never met one. In my first book, I told you. Who can tell me who's writing this? Y'all remember who wrote the book of Acts? And he wrote another book. He says right there in my first book, Luke the physician. Luke wrote the gospel of Luke, and then Acts is kind of a sequel to Luke. He says, in my first book, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and teach. That's what we see in the gospels. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. Over and over, he proved to them that he resurrected from the dead, just as Scripture said would have to happen if he was the Messiah. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Father, I thank you for the book of Acts. Lord, the best textbook we can have on any subject really is your word. I thank you for the best textbook on church planting that we see right here in the word of God. God, we're, we want to pray bold prayers. We want you to do something in East Hall like you did there in the book of Acts where you shook a continent and it spread out to other continents for your glory. Lord, I'm thankful for the folks who are here. We're not doing this just for us. But Lord, we know there are thousands and thousands of lost people who live 
uh, within a stone's throw of our church, so to speak, Lord, within a five-mile radius, thousands of people, many of them who don't know you as the Lord of our life. So, God, I pray that today as we renew the vision for our church, stir in our hearts afresh and anew, Lord, life happens, we get busy, we face challenges, we face attacks from the devil, and sometimes we can take our eyes off of the initial vision Today, Lord God, renew and refresh and rekindle in our hearts the fire and the passion to do what you've called us to do at Transformation Church. And it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. We said there's so many great texts. but I have more books in my home office that I've been given since we started this church than I'll probably ever read, okay? Uh, so we're, we're just, we're spinning the plates. We're trying to learn and do. And Julie and I have been to North American Mission Board training. But I've got more books. And they're all, I'm not making fun of that. They're great books. I just don't have time to read all of them. The primary textbook for us is this one right here. Because this is divinely inspired. 66 love letters from Almighty God. And we read in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, all of it. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Greek word is a compound word, theonoustos. It's God-breathed. It's given by inspiration of God. You say, now, Mike, you just said Luke wrote Acts. Luke did write Acts. And you can see some of his personality as a physician, particularly in the Gospel of Luke. You see the personalities of the writers. But Peter says they wrote it, but holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So you see their humanity, but yet it's divinely inspired. It wasn't them. I think Brad was telling me the other day, like the first time you preached or one of the times that you preached, you said, it wasn't what you prepared. It just came out, and you don't know where it came from. That's kind of the way when they were writing Scripture. They just were writing. They were being used of God to do that. God wrote through them. Number one, in renewing our vision, number one, we must proclaim and believe God's Word. Write that down. We must proclaim and believe God's Word. I'm right in front of it, aren't I? That's why our purpose statement says we're a church where anybody and everybody can be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, by the truth of Jesus Christ. So listen, the power is not in a preacher. The power is not in a musician. The power is not in a group. The power is not in a song. The power is in the word of God. Men are powerful when they proclaim the truth of scripture. Songs are powerful like nothing but the blood because it comes straight from scripture. But it's all based on the word of God. God's word is our blueprint. God's word is our plan. It's our marching orders. Yes, we did extensive research. I listened to Jojo Thomas when he said, Mike, slow down. <laughs> Y'all are doing this way too fast. Jojo said, take two months and get your people to go visit other church plants. And I'm like, Jojo, we got people that are ready to rock and roll. I don't know that our people will do that. But those of you, you did. Y'all embraced that. We, we stopped meeting and we visited other church plants to learn from them. And then we came back together and compared notes. Y'all did that. You proved me wrong. We took our time. We prayed. We researched. But it all goes back to the Word of God. That's what we got to rely on. That trumps the opinions of man. This preacher can say this. This preacher can say this. This person can have this opinion. But we want everything that we believe to be based on the inerrant Word of God. Inerrant means there's just no mistakes in it. So number one, it's God's Word. Number two, as we renew our vision, we must rely on God's power. We must rely on God's power. We prayed through Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 earlier. It says, you will receive power. It's not a power that we can manufacture, not a power we can buy, not a power we can conjure up. We receive the power from an outside source, and the outside source is holy God. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. 
And we all have different personalities. We all have different gifts and abilities. But all of us are commanded to be witnesses. Not all of us are commanded to be preachers, but everybody's commanded to be a witness. There's witnessing training is awesome. We'll provide witnessing training. We'll teach you how to share your testimony. We'll teach you how to share the Romans road. We'll, te- we'll equip you with all of that. But the bottom line is at the moment of your salvation, had a young lady saved in next gen just three or four weeks ago, Jocelyn, she could share her testimony immediately. She might not understand all of it theologically, but I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I can see. You will be my witnesses after you're saved, and you'll tell people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, East Hall, throughout Judea, maybe that's Georgia for us, Samaria, the United States, and to the ends of the earth. We've got to rely on the power of God. When we rely on man's power, we get man-sized results. When we seek and rely and tap into God's power, we get God-sized results. So we have prayed some pretty dadgum bold prayers, and we've seen God answer those prayers. When we began this work and we flew somebody down from... um, I'm drawing a blank on the name of Portable Church. You know, these rolling cases that you see, Portable Church, that's what they do. They come in, they study your facilities. He walked through our facilities. He went back to a motel. We put him up in a motel. He came up with a plan and said, here's what you need, and it's going to cost you about $220,000. And we're like, okay, we don't have two at this point. We don't have $2,000, but God's called us. What God calls you to do, God will equip you to do. And you know we were able to get some used equipment. We knew what we needed to do. We knew we didn't have the money, but hey, God owns it all. There was a church that bought all this stuff in, um, I think it's in Pensacola, Florida, called Rhythm Church. If you see Rhythm Church on some of our equipment, that's why. Shortly after they bought it, they were gifted a building. May God do the same thing to us. May God gift us a building, too, so we can get rid of our portable stuff. We're able to get it. So in our first less than a year, we raised over $100,000. And on launch Sunday, everything we have was paid for. Everything we had was paid for, debt-free. A small group like this, that's a God thing. You know, we're, we're just normal, ordinary people. We're not wealthy people, but that's a God thing. And there are people across the state of Georgia and beyond who pray for us. I'm so excited. You'll get to meet PJ done. PJ visited here one Sunday kind of incognito. He works for the Georgia Baptist Convention. He's going to be preaching here for us on March the 3rd and I was talking to him yesterday. He said Mike, I want you to know because that's just something about our little church and this little nobody preacher. He said, Mike, I'm all over the state of Georgia and people are talking about y'all. I hear the name of Transformation Church all over the place. He said, I got a cousin in Tuscaloosa, Alabama who said, PJ, have you ever heard of Transformation Church? He said, I sure have and I know the pastor. She said, we want to adopt them. She's like the head of their missions. I don't know if it's WMU or children's missions. And they want to adopt us. I said, is she in Tuscaloosa, Alabama? I said, she's already emailed me. So I've already communicated with this lady. There are children in another state that may never come here. But that's PJ's cousin. She didn't tell me that. He'll be preaching on the third. And he'll encourage you. And he'll tell you what he t- People are talking about this little church and what God's doing. So our reputation exceeds just East Hall. Because we're relying on God's power. We must pray bold prayers that inspe- and expect bold answers. And that brings bold unity in our church because you know we didn't do this. There just ain't no way we would have done this, but God did this. Number three, we must be desperate in prayer. We must be desperate in prayer. You know, sweet little now I lay me down to sleep cotton candy prayers would not get us where we are. We've got to be desperate in prayer. Look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 12. 
Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house, the upper room where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. You got a list of the prayer meeting. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer. United in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. Life transformation is supernatural. We can share the gospel, but thank God we can't save anybody. Because if I could save somebody, I'd probably mess it up, okay? But all we got to do is be the messenger boy. You know, when I was a kid, I had friends. You could get paid to deliver papers on your bicycle. I didn't do that, but I had friends who do that. We're just the messenger boys and girls. We're just sharing the message, but we pray that God does something supernatural natural with his supernatural message and that's going to bring unity prayer will unify a church because genuine salvation is supernatural if it's christian it ought to be better you know i was blessed to be in seminary at liberty baptist theological seminary liberty university when dr jerry falwell was alive and dr falwell told us over and over in chapel if it's christian it ought to be better now better for transformation church is not better for First Baptist Atlanta, okay? First Baptist Atlanta can do better, but we are to do the best we can with what we've got. You know, Davy is so, y'all have no idea how blessed we are to have this man right here. He, he was over all AV for Concord and all of their campuses, and God sent him to us. He is so wise about this stuff. I was telling Brad earlier, I'm intimidated. I'm intimidated by computers and sound. I'll do the grunt work. I'll roll and set up stuff, but I get out of Davy's way to make all this stuff happen. God is putting together the team that we need to make all this happen, and Davy shows me hints every week. Hey, we ought to do this different. Here's a way to make our stuff last longer than it is because man-made stuff wears out. I want to be the best stewards of what we've got. But we, if it's Christian, it ought to be better. So we want to strive for excellence, not that people will brag on us, but excellence for the glory of God. It says we prayed those bold prayers, and God allowed us to raise all that money to head into launch debt-free. It's not just money. What's the purpose of the money? To help us reach people and see lives transformed. So last September, we had our first baptism service in, in Lake Lanier, and God let us baptize nine people in the lake, including these three right here, the two that were just leading worship. Let's praise the Lord for that right there, y'all. We can be a little Baptocostalists, all right, to be excited and talk back and praise the Lord for that. God did that through the prayers of God's people and the giving of God's people to make that happen. If he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, he owns the hills up underneath the cows. God knows we think we need a building. That's why the TV had to be replaced and all the storage and setting up and tearing down. The TV got messed up. Started a little bit late today. We do that a lot because sometimes man-made things, when you take them down and put them back up, you run into glitches. God knows what we need. We need God to have some folks sell some of them cows that's on those hills and slaughter them and sell them and invest in the kingdom of God here. There are grants out there. There are, there are companies. There are ministries that have grants to help churches plant churches. There's an organization. We're part of the Georgia Baptist Convention, Georgia Baptist Mission Board now, called the Baptist Builders. These are men who are retired. They're builders. They're engineers. There's plumbers. They're electricians. If God gives us a building... They'll come in and help us renovate it. If God gives us a piece of land, they'll come in and put the building on it. They will help us with building plans. and We're not looking to build some fancy cathedral, just a butler building somewhere we can call our own and be a launching pad. And, you know, many of you are so good to say, hey, have y'all looked at this property? Have you seen this property? And I usually reply back, is it in East Hall? 
If it's not in East Hall, we're not considering it because we believe this is where God called us to launch from. Within the providence of God, though, we got Sean and Kelly who drive from Gwinnett County. We got Desiree, I think, is up in Banks County and Cagney and Brenner in Banks. So people are driving all over. So we don't have a building. People are driving all over. What do you do? Well, you got to get creative. That's why the first Thursday in March, we're going to launch our first men's discipleship group. PJ's coming to share with us on March the 3rd about discipleship. Our first men's discipleship group will be online. It'll be a Zoom call in the morning before everybody goes to work in school, and we will be studying a book together, Disciplines of a Godly Man. We'll pray together. We'll set a time limit of like 45 minutes so you know you got time to brush your teeth, get out the door, and get to work. Unless you're like me on the days I work Nabisco and I'm already at work by then. But we're hopeful that will work. And then maybe once a month we'll come together and have a prayer breakfast at Rabbit Town for those who can drive. we got to be creative since we don't have a building. Katrina, our lady, she's going to tell you at the end of the service about a, a chocolate event coming up. It's ladies only. If we shave our legs, can we come too? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. But chocolate sounds like I'm in like Flynn if you talk about chocolate. But how big is our God? Is our God big enough to give us a building? Is our God big enough to make that happen? we got to look beyond just this room. we got to pray bold prayers and expect big things from our awesome God. So many churches are crippled by committees and organizations and strategies, and they organize and strategize in endless, mindless meetings that never amount to anything. But what we need to do is just say, Jesus, deliver me from endless meetings, and we want to get a hold of the hem of the garment and trust you to do big things for your glory in this community. So our primary call for each of us is not really our primary call isn't to plant a church. You know that, right? Our primary call, each of us individually, is intimacy with Jesus. And the more I fall in love with Jesus, the more I'm united with him in prayer, the more I'm in a hold of that Holy Ghost power and I'm in his word, the better we will be equipped to come together to throw all of our pine cones in the fire. You get one pine cone, you throw a bunch of them in the fire, and it'll burn brightly. Intimacy with Jesus is all of our primary call individually. And if we're walking with Jesus and we're in the word, no weapon formed against us will prosper. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. If we lean on education, we get what education can do. If we lean on technology, we only get what technology can do. But when we trust God in big, bold prayers, we get what God can do. So real prayer, Richard Foster says this, real prayer comes not from gritting our teeth but falling in love. The more I love Jesus, the more I want to honor Jesus. The more I love Jesus, the more I want to know his word. And if we can talk to people all day long, sometimes I come home and I just don't want to talk. You know, when I was in ministry full-time as a vocation, I talked to people all day. And I'd come home and here she's been with toddlers and nobody to talk to. And Julie needs to talk and I done used up all my words. But I got to minister to my wife and, and talk. Sometimes I'm just hoarse. I'm talked out. I thank God for Adele Wigley for such a time as this. We already had a relationship with Miss Adele. God knew we would need somebody to lead us in worship and to help us with our finances. Not only is she a worship leader, but I think I've told most of you, she's a 39-year certified public accountant. And she's helping us with all of our books and all of our finances. God knew when, when we needed somebody to fill in, and my buddy James Dollar said, call my friend Adele. I had no idea that this, we would be in the position we are right now. So they're excited about being here, being here, serving, being a part of our church family. Number four, I got to roll. Prayer is how we demonstrate faith in God's word and trust in God's will. Number four, we must have faith that produces obedience. We must have faith that produces obedience. I can say I believe the Bible. 
I can say I believe it from Genesis to maps, cover to cover. But if I don't behave what I say I believe, do I really believe it? You know, if I say, hey, you don't have to be afraid of airplanes. Man, the airplanes are safer than driving on 285 in Atlanta, and that's a documented fact. You just need to go and trust and get on the airplane. But if I told you that, but I never put my behind in a seat, do I really believe it? Not till I place myself in that place of faith and I sit in that seat and trust that seat's going to hold me up and trust that plane's going to get me to where I say it's going to take me. I haven't really demonstrated obedience in that faith. When we say we believe the Word of God, we've got to live out the Word of God. And we go back to Acts 1.8. When that happens, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. And verse 9 says, after saying this, he, Jesus, was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, like you would watch a helium balloon go up, they're still looking to see where Jesus went. They're straining. Um, they saw two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he'll return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. We can stand here, and we can pray, and we can study the Bible, but if all we do is just look up and say, we're so thankful, we're spending 17 weeks on Wednesday night studying the rapture, we believe in the rapture, we believe it's happening, but if all we ever did is come right here into this holy huddle and never break huddle and touch our community, we've missed the boat. Our faith must produce obedience. A stationary church is a disobedient church. God didn't call us to form a church just for us. God called us to form a church to touch our community, and you've done that. You've done that with your prayers, your investments, your giving, and your service. I, it's, I think it's well over 1,500 people we've touched right here through our block party. The first thing we did was the block party. That's where the Lord sent Desiree and her family to that first block party. Brent and Cagney and their three boys, they were reached at that block party. Brent is wanting to be baptized soon. He's looking for an opportunity to be baptized. Your son tells me he's ready to be baptized. Matthew says he needs to get his baptism. So we're looking for, hopefully the Y will let us come in and do it. Heat it. We're not going back to the river in the wintertime. But because we have these events and people have been reached, lives are being transformed. Because of your faithfulness to work, we had a flashlight Easter egg hunt. We were near about, that's the South Shore, we were just about overwhelmed. I remember uh, Miss Edith came and said, hey, will you tell these people that are waiting, y'all are just about ready in here, we're getting the games and all set up. I said, yes, ma'am. Open that door, and there were people all the way to the front door. So I called my wife, and I said, I need everybody off the field hiding eggs to get in here right now and help us with these people. We had just enough people to do that flashlight Easter egg hunt. You may be wondering, Easter's coming up as we're in transition. We're doing a lot of things right now. We thought it was best this year. We're just not in a position to do the egg hunt this year. It disappoints me to tell you that, but I, don't, I think I don't want to work our people to death too much. Lord willing, next year we'll be able to do that again. And then we have the back-to-school event. Um, you know, the Lord knew again when he sent Miss Barbara to us. This is something she's done for years. She's done the hard work. She's done the homework. She's done the organization. It's plug and play. Miss Barbara tells us what to do. She's got it organized. We do what she says. We come together. You bought school supplies. By the way, do that year-round. You can talk to Miss Barbara. You can give her some money if you want to, and she's constantly looking for bargains. She's found a website that we've entered our church tax ID number on so we can get school supplies cheaper, you said, than you can buy them sometimes. So that will be coming up in August. We do plan to do that again where we give out backpacks and school supplies. Why do we do that? So we can share the gospel. 
People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. Had we not had the block party, would Desiree have ever driven from Banks County? If had we not had the block party, would Brent Cagney ever come from Cornelia where they? I don't know. I don't think they would have. Back to school. Then we had spaghetti with Santa. We live in a bad, bad economy. It was a rainy day. We didn't have as many as we thought we'd had, but it was a successful event. Nobody, everybody came and they got presents and gifts for their children that couldn't afford it. And we stayed on that side of the curtain and we had spaghetti with the kids and they got to sit on uh, Santa Frank's lap and tell him what they wanted. For, I shouldn't have said that, should I? Santa, okay? The, the, the real Santa, I'm just kidding. So all of that is we're trusting God to help us touch our community. People that if we say, hey, would you come to our church Sunday? Here's just the reality. The majority of them are not going to. They're not interested in our church. They don't care about our holy huddle. They want to know, do you care about me and my family? Do you care about the fact that I can't buy school supplies for my kids? Do you really care that you're in the poorest part of Hall County, East Hall? Do you really care that we can't afford Christmas for our kids? We say, yes, we do. And that's why we do what we do. And it opens the door for us to share the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. So just 40 days before Acts 1, Jesus had been crucified. If you took an opinion poll, all the opinion polls would say, he's dead. He ain't coming back. Once somebody's dead, once they're, they're dead and in the tomb, uh, they're not coming back. Occasionally that had happened. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. They remembered that. But it was over. Satan said, he's dead now. There's no need to tempt him anymore. But then he came up out of the grave and he lives today. Nothing could hold him, kill or control him. He just pushed death out of the way. He came up out of the grave, our conqueror and more. And though once he allowed it, our Jesus won't be pushed anymore. We got to have faith that produces obedience because of the empty tomb. And in Acts 2.14, Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen! Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. They said, we are eyewitnesses. We saw him. He cooked breakfast for us. We've been with him. We're telling you, he is alive. we got to be ready to open up our mouths and tell people what Jesus has done for us and for our families. We can say we believe the Great Commission, but if we never share it, we don't really believe it. And if you say, you know, I would if I could... Can you read? I don't, I'm not aware of anybody in our church that's not able to read. We ordered these little invite cards that invites people to our church, gives them our webpage. On the back of that card is the Romans Road. If you've never memorized the Romans Road plan of salvation, we got you. We got you. You give somebody a card and you keep one and you just read it and you walk through the Romans Road of salvation. It's that simple. You can do this. He's already empowered us, Acts 1 8. So we got to pray bold prayers. We got to expect big results. And then that's number five, we must prepare for a great harvest. We must prepare for a great harvest. And God has helped us prepare in tangible, physical ways. We have staging for a giant stage. We have lighting to light up a building. We have all the signage that we could. When God gives us a building, there's very little we got to buy. It's going to be plug and play. We roll in with our stuff. Sure, there's some stuff we're going to have to do. But God's already provided for that. We got a bunch of it. You know why? Because we expect a harvest. We expect a harvest. We expect God to bring people in. Acts 2.37, when Peter preached to him there, says, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, referring back to Acts 1-8. That's when you get that gift. This promises to you, to your children, and those far away, 
all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. You think I'm long with He preached for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. How many? 3,000 in one day. Do we serve the same God? Are y'all, are y'all here? Do we serve the same God? Or, we do. Okay. It wasn't 3,000. But when I opened that door, Miss Edith asked me to. It looked like 3 million to me when I opened that door. God has, God has sent big crowds to us. So to think of 3,000 being saved through Transformation Church, that's nothing for Almighty God. When people didn't come through the front door of the church and escape out the back door without getting involved either. 3,000, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching the word, to fellowship, doing life together, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They didn't just join a church. They got involved in what was happening there. When outreach and evangelism are our main focuses, discipleship is going to come because all these new people have got to be discipled. Churches that are mostly focused on discipleship, they're focused inward. And that's okay because discipleship is one of our biblical purposes to make disciples. But if all of our focus is inward on us, we're missing the boat of reaching the community. So God has sent us committed disciples in this room. As far as I know, everybody in this room has professed Christ. So when God sends us these new believers, we are able to equip and help disciple them. The word translated devoted there in Acts 2.42 says all the believers devoted themselves. It means to be consumed with. To be, we would say in South Georgia, they're just ate up with it. Have y'all ever heard that? Just ate up or eaten up. They were consumed with it. They were consumed with the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, sharing in meals and um, in prayer. 3,000 people came to Christ on the first Sunday of that new church plant. You think, man, what's going to top that? I'm so glad you asked that question. Look at Acts chapter 4 and verse 4. This is the second Sunday of the church plant. Many of the people who heard their message believed it, so the number of men and women who believed now totaled about 5,000, the number of men. I messed up when I said women. That's just Scripture specifically says just men. Statistically, if a child comes to faith in Christ, some of their parents may get saved. When a mama comes to faith in Christ, some of the family may get saved. Statistically, when the daddy comes to faith in Christ, like 93% of the time, the household will follow the dad's spiritual leadership. So we've got to reach the men. That's why we're starting with the men's discipleship group. 5,000 men. You add in women and children. There's probably up to about 20,000 back then. There was no birth control. They just kept having babies, if you know what I mean. We serve the same God today. 5,000 people in the church plant by the second week. When we are consumed with praying, going, studying the Word of God, miracles can happen. Things beyond us. We've already seen God do that. those miracles. And then in verse 43 says, as a result of all these things, Acts 2.43, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property, possessions, and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. This wasn't just a Sunday morning. It wasn't Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Each day they met. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. We had um, nachos and cheese and um, jalapenos. It wasn't a, a big meal, but we just had fun fellowshipping and eating, and I even had seconds. It was so good. All the while, that was Wednesday, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, 
not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday, but every day. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. If you pray for rain, you better have an umbrella. If you pray for rain, you better expect God's going to send the rain. Remember when Governor Purdue, when Georgia went through a drought, and Governor Purdue called on our state to pray, and the national media made fun of Sonny Purdue for calling on Georgia to pray? We know Brother Sonny. He's a man of faith. He believes. He lives what he says. And guess what? God opened the heavens, and we finally had rain, and the national media shut up about it. If you pray for rain, you better get an umbrella. If we're praying for God to let us build a church here, to have a church building here, and to plant other churches, we better prepare for that. We need people who can serve in the nursery, who can do children's church. And the reality, and it's like you get the umbrella whether you're prepared for rain. We set up for nursery every single Sunday. We're in there this morning. Uh, Mr. Ron helped me, and Julie, she sets it up every week. We're prepared for children. You say, well, we didn't have any today. That's all right. We're prepared. Why? Because we expect God's going to send them. Now, if Desiree and Cagney and them were here, we would have had kids. But we're prepared. We're expecting that. We've got to get prepared for children's church. And all these things, if we're praying for it, we expect God to do it. If we aren't prepared and expectant, why would God send them to us? If we're not expecting it, we're not prepared for it, it'll just be us for it and no more. But we pray in faith, expecting and anticipating. We can't produce a move of God, but we better make sure our sails are up for the wind to catch them and to carry us on for the glory of God. How big is our God? How much do we want to see Him do something bigger than beyond all of us? How much do we trust Him for a supernatural harvest of new believers? I can't read. This is Leonard Ravenhill, one of my favorite authors. He, he teaches on evangelism and um, revival. The law of prayer is the law of harvest. If you sow sparingly in prayer, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully in prayer, you reap bountifully. The trouble is we're trying to get from our efforts what we never put into them. We must be people of prayer. When the word spread, disciples were multiplied, and the Bible says even some religious folks got saved. Even some religious leaders, some of the meanest folks I've ever met claim to be Christians. I mean, they're meaner than a lot of people were to me when I was hanging out in the bars. Lost people were nicer to me than some of these people. Acts 5.14 says, Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, multitudes of men and women. And then verse 7 of Acts 6 says, So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. These were religious leaders who knew the Old Testament, but they needed a personal relationship with Jesus. If we get a hold of the hymn of his garment, we trust God for big things, we pray for big things, you'll see some mean, old, stubborn, hateful, Baptists just sure enough get saved for the glory of God. And each day the Lord added their fellowship, those who are being saved. Church historians estimate in the first six months we're coming up on our first year but in the first six months after Acts 2, church historians estimate that 100,000 people had come to faith in Christ in six months. And because of that first century church plant and the spread of the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, that's why we're here. Because those folks trusted God, they were disciples, they prayed God for big results, they planted new churches, and it's because of their faithfulness we stand on their backs here today. I want people, if the Lord doesn't come back 100 years from today, to find us faithful. In just 40 years, the gospel spread from Jerusalem to every known corner of planet Earth. 
Today, there are 2 billion, with the B, professing Christians on earth today. And every one of us can trace our roots back to that first century church plant. Same God, same Jesus, same Holy Spirit, and same Bible. Our methods change. We have to use different methods. You know, the flashlight Easter egg hunt, I wish I could take credit for that. We just copy that from other churches who've done it. It's a new way to do it. I grew up every year as a little boy. We always had an egg hunt. And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. We want to reach more people. So when we said flashlight egg hunt in the dark after they've been hunting eggs for all the other, we were just overwhelmed with people. Our methods change, but our message never changes. Methods must change, but the message never changes. We keep prayer, evangelism, and ministry at the forefront of all that we do. One of our Southern Baptist Seminary presidents said a few years ago that he estimates less than 5%, less than 5% of today's young people are evangelized. Less than 5% in the United States of America. What are we doing wrong? How are we missing them? Our church, our home base here is the East Hall Community Center paid for by us Hall County taxpayers. We pay for this building for the glory of God. But there are hundreds of people who come through this building every week. Now, next week, we may have to be in the gym because early voting starts. All these people come in for early voting. What are they going to see on the billboard, on the bulletin board? Transformation Church. They're going to see little cards for Transformation Church. Maybe somebody's new in our community. Maybe somebody's going through a family crisis and they don't know where to turn. And they find out there's a non-traditional church. They might be intimidated by stained glass and steeples. But they'll come where folks play basketball and hang out. Maybe, just maybe, the hundreds who come through for early voting will come check us out. The hundreds who play basketball. If you're here on Wednesday nights, you see it. Every Hundreds of people coming through. God put us right here. Why? It was a direct answer to prayer. If you weren't here at that time, we were told no two times to plant in a church here. No, you can't. No, you can't. Came out with a group of young people. We prayer walked. We put our hands on the walls. We walked around. We, pl- we prayed. People were like, what are they doing? Basketball's happening. We claim this place for the glory of God, and God gave it to us. And we've been meeting here now for almost two years. That was a direct result of prayer. Now our prayers are bigger. Lord, if you want to give us a building, give us a building. If you want to give us land for a building, whatever you want to do, Lord, expand our faith and show us what you can do. Bold prayers produce bold answers. This is just renew. We're renewing our memory. We're renewing the vision of Transformation Church. Five keys to help us stay on track for what God's called us to do. Number one, I ask you again, write this on your conclusion. How big is your God? I remember Coach Mark Rick was in that Christian movie, Facing the Giants, and he asked them that. How big is your God? He's talking about football and a Christian school winning football games. We're talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the church. Jesus is not coming back for the football team. Can I tell you that? He's coming back for his church. He's coming back for the church. How big is your God? Number two, do you truly know him? Are you born again? Because if you are born again, if you've repented of your sins and made Christ the Lord of your life, based on the authority of Acts 1-8, you already got that power in you. You just need to tap into that power to open your mouth and share the good news of Christ. Number three, how committed will you be? How committed will we be to these five keys to success for Transformation Church? And then number four, what pioneer role will you play? What pioneer role will you play? Today is our second week of our new member class. You can jump in at any point. If you weren't here in the first week, you can come in the second week. There were some here the first week that can't be here the second week. We'll we'll take care of all that. My goal is to get it online on YouTube. So eventually, you know, if you want to come to the class, we'll have the class. But if you don't, you can can do that online. we got to use technology because we're all spread out. But in our new member class, we had homework last week. What was our homework, y'all who were in there? Spiritual gift test. 
Why do we take a spiritual gift test? Because at the moment of your salvation, God gave you spiritual gifts. I don't have a clue. I was saved at 15. I never heard of a spiritual gift. I didn't know what it was, but it was in my possession. God gave it to me at the moment of salvation. So it's not a test. It's an inventory to help you discover your spiritual gifts. Why? Because we're pioneers. Pioneers come together and we work. In a church, small church plant like ours, we may have to do something out of our comfort zone because there's just a few of us right now. But the, the best case scenario is you know your gifts and you're serving the Lord the way he's gifted you. So you're going to have maximum joy and not be frustrated in that. So we are pioneers. We're not settlers. We need you on board to know what your spiritual gift is. And there's a role for everybody to play for the glory of God. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the gospel that transforms lives. Thank you that you could take a, a nobody, knuckle-headed kid who grew up in a mobile home on Cemetery Road in South Georgia, and you can empower me, you can save me, you can do things through me that Mike Durrell would no way Mike could ever do that. That's why all the glory don't belong to Mike. The glory is Jesus and Jesus alone. Because, Lord Jesus, of a church in South Georgia that cared about young people, that reached me, and you transformed my life. God, you've let me travel over this globe, Russia, Brazil, Nicaragua, different places sharing your gospel. That's all a testimony of your grace. If you can do that with a nobody like me, what can you do with folks in this room who are far smarter than I am, far more talented than I am? Lord, we claim the promise that you want to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that we could ever ask or imagine in touching East Hall and beyond for your glory. Lord, help each one of us today during this time of invitation as Aiken and Hannah come in and lead us in singing this song to examine our own hearts. Because, Lord, we need you. We need you every second of every day. Lord, help us, number one, to make sure we're saved. We know that we know that we know our sins are forgiven and we're going to heaven. Thank you for the promise that whoever calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. Lord, if there's sin in our life that's hindering us from the miracles you want to do in and through us, whether it's things that we're doing we ought not to do or things that we ought to be doing we're not doing. Lord, convict us and show us both of those are sin. Thank you for the promise of 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Or for those who may be praying about membership at Transformation, thank you for the 10 that were in our class last week. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to hearts. Make your will for each one of us plain and obvious as we seek to know you, as we seek to serve you, as we ask you to do something bigger than ourselves. We pray all this stuff. We ask all this stuff because our goal is to bring you glory. Bring glory to yourself through our obedience. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hannah and Aiken are coming, come and lead us in a song that's probably familiar to you. you. Ask the Lord to speak to your heart. How do you need to respond to his word? Not what Mike said, but to his word. If you need to respond in any way, there are people here. We'd love to pray with you, talk with you. If everything's all right between you and the Lord, you just sing this song as a testimony of praise as we sing.